Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you for being here today. And also to Robert, thank you for being here today. We've enjoyed him being here and leading us in worship and uh, singing today. So we're so thankful the Lord allowed him to be here and thankful you're here. And uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're going to read a few verses here. Now, if I start reading things that uh, aren't there, don't uh, don't get upset. My glasses broke this week, and uh, so I'm borrowing my wife's glasses here today. So you uh, you help me if I'm in the wrong chapter. You just go along with it today, okay? Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse number three here today. Second Corinthians ten, verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Once you see that again, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time of worship that we've had. Thank you, Lord, for this church and the blessings, Lord, that you continually bestow upon it. Lord, thank you for each one that's here today and each family of this church, this wonderful body of believers that make up this local body of Christ. Lord, we rejoice in what you're doing. Today, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as we look at these passages of Scripture today. We think about our mind. We talk about the mind and the battle that takes place in our mind. So Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you minister to us. I pray that you encourage us. I pray you convict us. Lord, I pray that you accomplish your will in our lives today, and I pray that we are obedient to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to make a statement today. God did not save you for a defeated life. How many of you would agree with that? God did not save you for a defeated life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to triumph in Christ. God's desire for you and I today is to live a victorious Christian life. Now, it doesn't mean that it's absent sorrow and absent problems. But we, through sorrow and problems, can live a victorious 
Christian life. And that's what God's plan, his desire for us is. God's plan for you and his plan for me is victory. And God has a a victory in our thought life. How many of you, you've ever realized that your thinking wasn't right? Sometimes they call it stinking thinking. Have you ever heard it called that before? You just aren't thinking right. Your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4. Will you go there with me for our weapons? 2 Corinthians 10, 4, our text here. For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I, I want you to write this. Number one, I'm... I'm I want to be aware of my time here today, and I want to get as much of this in as I possibly can today. I want you to write this down, number one. We are at war. We are at war. Ephesians 6, 12, the Bible tells us how we are to how we're able to, to, to fight this war. But let me read this just quickly for you. Ephesians 6, 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are at war, and we are at war with Satan. The devil is at war against you. And the devil is at war against me. And the devil is at war against anything that wants to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a deadly array of demonic host that is constantly warring against us. And their, their desire, they want to corrupt our thoughts. Now, somebody might go out and they go to a, uh, their car and there's a, a flat tire and somebody I've heard say, boy, the devil, he just, uh, he's really attacking me. He, he had a, uh, a, I had a flat tire when I was trying to get to church this morning. I don't know if the devil walks around with a knife flattening tires, but I do know this. He wars against your mind. He wars against your mind. He wars against your thoughts and his desire and all the demons of this world, their desire is to corrupt your thoughts and to discourage your mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, our text here again, look with me in verse number five, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against This is the battle against the knowledge of God in bringing into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. We see here these two words, casting down imaginations. That's that's your mind. The thoughts that come into your mind, we see this word thoughts. At the end of this verse, the thoughts to the obedience, uh, uh, the captivity of every thought. This here, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth about their mind, about their thoughts, their imaginations, their thoughts. And we realize this, there is a war and Satan is behind it. And your mind is the battleground where he fights. Your mind. Your thoughts. What you perceive, what you think, what you dwell on. Satan's desire is to conquer and to control your thought life. Now, Satan can't have your soul. If you are a child of God, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he can't have your soul. 
And he knows that. And it would be a wonderful thing if the moment we got saved, that Satan would resist us and not follow after us. But really, the moment you get saved, Satan now wants to control your thoughts. He wants to discourage you. He wants to control your mind. He wants to corrupt your thoughts. And once you're saved, the Bible tells us this, we have the mind of Christ. You know what that tells me? That we have victory because of Jesus Christ. And so the reality is this, that there's a war. The reality is this, that Satan uses your mind as the battleground, but the victory is this, that we have the mind of Christ and greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So we know that we have victory. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just said that and, all right, we leave and we're encouraged. But what do we do? Because all of us face this battle in our mind. Go with me just the chapter over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look with me in verse number 3, if you would. He says this, Paul says, But I fear, lest by any means... 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility. Sorry, I just turned my page here. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul says this, I fear this. This is what I'm concerned about. I'm writing to you this because Satan, what did he do? He corrupted. He went after Eve in her thinking. Remember, God said to Eve not to eat of this. And Satan comes through and his goal is to corrupt her mind, to corrupt her thinking, cause her to believe something that isn't true. And so what does she do? She takes of that fruit. I want you to see this word here, this word simplicity. The Bible says in this verse, he beguiled Eve through, uh, or I'm sorry, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is what Satan's after to corrupt your mind. That word simplicity, it means this. Write this down as a definition. It means purity or sincerity or single-minded devotion. Satan desires to corrupt your mind so that you your mind is no longer pure, it's no longer sincere upon the things of Christ. It's no longer single-minded devotion. You're no longer serving the Lord, focused on the Lord, and devoted to the Lord. Now he puts in your thoughts and your mind things that corrupt you. And Paul is fearful of this. He writes, I fear this because the devil wants to corrupt your mind and your thinking. Sometimes when we think of our mind, we think of our brain. Our, our mind and our physical brain are not the same thing. Our brain, yes, it is our, that human, that human uh, uh, brain in, in our head that does the thinking, but our mind is who you are, the, the way you think, why you think. The Bible also uses that word heart as that same word. It's how you feel. It's corrupting your thoughts is what Satan wants to do. The devil wants to corrupt your mind. He wants to corrupt your thinking. But look with me again in verse number, uh, chapter 11, verse number two, just the, the verse before, verse three. Paul says this, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Godly jealousy. 
For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul is saying to them before he gets to chat, uh, verse number three, as we read, where he says, I'm, 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 Satan wants to corrupt your mind, that simplicity, that purity, that sincerity, that single-minded devotion. Satan wants to use your mind as a battlefield and corrupt your thoughts. Paul says in verse number two that I have a, a godly jealousy. Now, you say, what is godly jealousy? Is that even possible? Because isn't jealousy bad? Godly jealousy, just simply put this in your notes, it's a protection, protective, like a father protecting his child. Matter of fact, Paul uses this example of, of protecting them uh, so that they are uh, a virgin, chaste virgin, a, a, a godly, a jealous, godly father will protect his daughter and, and keep her in a place so that he can offer her to her husband as a, as a virgin. And Paul is saying, this is how I see you. I, I, I've, I've, I've ministered to you and I've prayed for you and I've counseled with you and I've discipled you. And I see myself as this father wanting to give you to the Lord Jesus Christ, offer him to you as a chaste virgin. And I'm jealous, a godly jealousy over you. What he's saying is this, I don't want you corrupted. I want you to be pure. I want your thoughts to be pure. I want your life to be pure. Pure. We need a pure church. Would you agree with that? Where we are, we are single focused. Our, we're pure. We're single minded in our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our thought, and that is our desire, and that is our mission. And Satan wants to do anything he can to get you from that mission. And so he uses your thoughts. What Paul is desiring is that they not sell out to this world. My prayer and our desire today is that we will not sell out to this world. And as a father wants to protect his daughter and keep her pure for her marriage, Paul is longing and striving to protect the church. And he wants them to have pure, simple-minded love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a battle. And there's a battle for your mind. And please, please, please get this today. The devil wants to corrupt you. He wants to corrupt your mind. He wants you to get to the place where you're living for the things and the thrills of this world instead of living for the things of heaven. He wants to discourage you so that your mind is upon discouragement instead of victory in Jesus Christ. There's a battle for your mind. The Bible talks about imaginations. I want you to see in Genesis chapter 6. Don't turn there. Just write this in your notes. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This was the condition of mankind before the flood. Man began to think what happened is this, that their mind was corrupted. Satan had corrupted their mind. It started in the Garden of Eden. If you say, well, no, I, I've, got a, a strong, I've got a strong mind, and there's no way that Satan will get to me. I want to remind you that Satan corrupted Eve, and she was in a perfect world. They were communing with God. 
They were walking with God and there was a a time then in her life where Satan came in and corrupted her thoughts and caused her to doubt and question God. And from that time forward up into the flood, you would find where God looked and man's heart, man's mind was continually wicked. All they could do is think of wickedness. And God destroyed humans at that time in this flood because of their their wicked imaginations. My wife and I were watching the news last evening, and I always tell myself, don't watch the news on Saturday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. (laughs) And we were watching the news yesterday, and there was four boys. The youngest was 11 in San Francisco, that went to rob an elderly lady, and they pulled her, they they knocked her to the ground. It's all on video. They knocked her to the ground. I guess they robbed her. And then one, I think this was the 11-year-old, came back over to her just to kick her in her head. How How many of you saw that? We're watching that, and we're thinking, what is wrong? What is wrong with this world? One of the things that you're seeing across this world right now, across our, our country, is, is, is this violence that just seems to be sweeping our land. They're saying it's, it's just wickedness. What is happening? Mankind, we're seeing the evil imagination of their minds. Why are we so drawn to the the things of this world? Why is our heart so drawn to the the things that that take us away from Christ? Because your mind is Satan's battleground, and he seeks to destroy you and corrupt your mind. Satan, when Satan corrupts your mind, you're never going to be satisfied. That's why when, when you get involved in sin, it never satisfies you. You always want more. Because Satan's goal is not just to get you a little bit into it. His goal is to corrupt you. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. Devour. Our little, our middle dog, our little Ella, she, we buy toys for her. And she, she's crazy. She, she's, she's not all there. She's, she's just not. And she, um, we, we realize that and we recognize that. And so we, we, we try to help her, but we gave her, we give her toys and she literally will take a toy and devour this toy. She's, she just rips this thing apart, rips it apart. Jacob, before he left, he wanted to uh, do his wife a favor. So he got her a dog. And we were talking about that last night. I said, now you do realize she has to walk that dog all winter long now. And, you know, I don't know about that being a favor for her, but their dog is so gentle and just comes over and just like picks up this little toy and, 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 and gently places it down and goes and gets another toy and gently places it down. And our dog sees a toy, her her, her eyes bug out, her ears go back, and she just wants to devour this toy. And sometimes I think this, we think of Satan, he just wants to come and gently take us and maybe just play a little and set us down. He wants to devour your life. He wants to devour your mind. 
He doesn't just want to get you a little, have a, a little bit of a bad day. He wants you to walk away from everything that you know is righteous and pure. He doesn't want you to just flirt a little bit. He wants you to walk away from everything righteous and pure. He wants to destroy your marriage. He doesn't want you just to have a, 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 a flirtatious relationship. He wants you to have something that'll destroy your relationship. He's not just after our kids and, and wants them to just, you know, dabble in the things of this world. He wants to destroy our kids to cause them to doubt even the deity of Christ. He wants to corrupt your mind. And Paul is, says to the church, I'm so fearful of this. Why is he so fearful? Because he knows Satan's plan is to destroy, to leave in just carnage everywhere. Romans 8, 6, the Bible says this, for uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And Satan is going to do everything he can so that you are carnally minded. So you think of everything through the flesh and not through the spirit. See, we're commanded to walk in the spirit. We're commanded to, to yield to the spirit. We're commanded to have the mind of Christ and, 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 and walk in the spirit. Satan wants to do everything you can so that you make every decision in your flesh. Why? Because when you become a fleshly person or carnal minded, your mind will be corrupted. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In church, would you write this someplace in your heart? We need to guard our minds. We need to guard our minds because Satan is after your mind. Our, our minds need to be fastened to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our minds need to be fastened to the truth of his word. Our minds need to be fastened to Christ. Or Satan is going to do everything he can to corrupt your mind. Isaiah 26, 3, the Bible says that uh, thou will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is stayed on thee. Now, I, I would hope that everyone here today, if I asked you to raise your hand, you would raise your hand and say, I want to be stayed on Christ. I want to have my mind in perfect peace. Then we must acknowledge this, that there is a war that's taking place. We can't just have our head in the sand and thinking that this never will touch us. This never will bother us. Listen to me. Satan is, is after your mind. He's after your thoughts. And there is a battle for your mind that he is after. But, but God also, he also wants your mind. And this is the warfare that takes place. Because Satan wants to corrupt your mind. But our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to have a pure mind and a mind of Christ. Look with me, if you would, please, in Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Would you follow along with me there? Ephesians 4, would you turn there and look with me in verse number 17? Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus about putting on this new man. He says this in verse number 17, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their what? In their mind. He says, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't walk like others walk. Walk. 
I, I, I want you to see this. I want to testify of the Lord. I, I want you to walk not as other Gentiles, not as the lost world, not uh, going after the, the thought, the lust, the vanity of your mind. He says in verse number 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Or that word heart there is the same word as mind. He said, don't walk. Don't walk after the Gentiles that have turned from God. They're blinded. God changes you by changing your mind. The Bible talks about in Romans 12, uh, 12 2, transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're the, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we are saved, God seeks to change us, to change the way we think, to change the way we feel, to change the way we act. And he can do that with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have to say, well, that's the way I've always been. You have power. God wants your mind. He doesn't want you to stay like you always have been. I think that's one of the things that encourages me most about being saved is I don't have to be what I always was. I'm a child of God. I'm saved, I'm born again, and the Spirit of God now lives with inside of me. Now God wants to change my mind. Listen to me, maybe you have had wicked thoughts, maybe you are a, you are a doing wicked things, but now that you're saved, I want to remind you that that is underneath the blood, and God wants to change you and change the way you think. And Satan wants to corrupt you. And so there's this, there's this war that's continually taking place for our minds. And I ask you this question today, does the spirit control you? Or do your emotions control you? Have you ever been controlled by your emotions? Last night, our son came by and he's leaving this morning for a year. You talk about an emotional place. I thought to myself, boy, this is the one time I wish that I didn't have all girls in my house. You know, it was emotional. Even Ella, the middle dog, emotional, tearing everything apart. Just crazy. Emotional. This morning was a emotional. I told you this several few weeks ago. I don't know what happened, but I can point you back to the day I was sitting right there back in April or so, Sunday morning, singing, and I just began to weep. And since that day, my mind has been different. And if I just make decisions based upon my emotions, I would have stayed in bed today. And so would have you. If I make my decisions based upon emotions, I'd get angry, I'd get discouraged, I'd get depressed, I'd get, I'd get worried, I'd get anxious. And that's exactly what Satan desires. To control your mind. To corrupt your mind. To get you to a place where you can't trust God. To get you to the place where you doubt is serving God the best thing you can do. 
To get to you to the place where you start doubting what the Word of God says. Satan is after your mind, but so is God. And God wants to bring peace. And God wants to bring health. And God wants to bring contentment. And God wants to bring pure thoughts to a mind that Satan just wants to corrupt. And there's this battle. Secondly, I want you to write this down. I learned this. Not only is there a war for your thoughts, there's also the weakness of your flesh. How many of you realized your flesh is weak? That fella that said, I'm not eating any more donuts anymore. So he went on a diet for several weeks. One day he woke up. He said, all right, Lord, I will eat a donut only, only if you make it possible. <laughs> and this will be the sign. He lets a fleece, a fleece out. If I drive by the donut shop and there is a spot in the front, the very front, right by the door, I will know that you want me to have a donut today. So he drove by. And the seventh time driving around the block, he saw there was a spot in front of the donut shop. And he thanked the Lord. He said, thank you, Lord. There's a battle. And your flesh is weak. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3, look there with me, if you would please, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Listen, we all live in the flesh. We all, we, 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 we all live in this world. We all do the same thing. I was shopping one day and someone saw me in the store and they said to me, when, they said this, we didn't know you shopped. I shop like everybody else shops. <laughs> what, what do you think? I just kind of hover and study. That's all I do. I do the same thing you do doesn't just magically happen. You know what I do every single week? I have to take the trash down just like everybody else does. I'm not better than anyone else. We have to live in this world. Our flesh is weak, though, but we have to live in this world. We have to live in this flesh until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and takes us home and gives us a new body. Guess what? We are stuck with this body that loves to sleep and loves donuts and loves the flesh. But Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this in verse 10, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle for the mind is against the devil. And you cannot fight this in your flesh. You don't have the power. You don't have the strength. You and I are weak. We can't say at times no to our temptations. How do you think you're going to battle against Satan? Satan has been at this for thousands of years. And Satan has gotten victory in many of people's lives by corrupting their mind and corrupting their thoughts. Wickedness is all over our world. And you know what you can't do? You can't fix this by just creating more laws. We just want to legislate. You know what you can't force someone to do? You can't force someone to love. Some of the greatest 
Some of the, the, the worst gun violence is in some of the cities that had the greatest gun laws. I'm not advocating one way or the other. I'm just simply saying you can't legislate someone to do right. It's already illegal to go and beat up an elderly lady. Yet these four boys still did it. They couldn't make another law to get them to stop. Why? Because it's in their heart, in their mind. It's wicked. And wickedness is in our world, and it can't be fixed. We don't have what it takes to overcome Satan. We don't have what it takes to overcome his onslaught in our flesh. Because our flesh is weak. But isn't it ironic that man is trying to fix the problems that man have no power to fix? And when you try to fix something that you don't have the power to fix, it only makes the situation worse. Lastly, my time is gone. Let me give you this point. And that is this. The weapons of our fight. There's a war. Satan wants to corrupt. And God wants to make your mind pure. The, 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 the problem is, secondly, there's a weakness of our flesh. And then thirdly, I want you to write, see this, there's weapons for our fight. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 again. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Paul is saying, this isn't something that you can do. You're not going to read a book. You're not, you're not going to get this in your flesh. You're not going to overcome this. This is something that we have to have weapons that aren't carnal for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but the mighty through God through God would you underline that the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations of every high thing that exalteth itself of the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ that word stronghold is those fortresses in our lives and only God only God has the power to bring down those strongholds in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 7, if you'll follow along with me, do ye look on things uh, after the outward appearance, the fleshly things, the carnal things? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. I want you to write this down. The weapons of our fight is this, the sovereignty of our commander. We belong to Christ. Amen. So Paul is saying in verse number seven, I want you to recognize that you belong to Christ. Christ is our commander and Christ is the one that has gotten the victory. Satan has no power over the Lord of Calvary because at Calvary, uh, Christ defeated Satan. Satan thought that he was in control. Satan, Satan thought that he had dominion of all of this world. Matter of fact, remember when Jesus was fasting, Satan brought him up to this mountaintop and said, hey, all of the kingdoms of these worlds I will give to you if you just bow. But Jesus conquered the kingdoms of this world, not because he bowed to Satan, but because he defeated Satan when he went to the cross and he shed his blood. And that blood was the payment for all mankind's sin. That moment Satan was defeated and Jesus Christ is Lord and he is our commander. Amen. 
I don't have to. I don't have to try to live a victorious Christian life in my own strength. I don't have to try to get control of my mind and keep my mind for myself. My mind is stayed upon Jesus Christ, and he is the victor. And Paul is reminding the church of this. The sovereignty of our commander. Secondly, secondly, the weapons of our fight is not only the sovereignty of our commander. Look with me in verse number eight. The Bible says, for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. First, the sovereignty of our commander. That's our weapon. Secondly, the authority of our commission. That authority, that legal right to act on someone else's behalf. Jesus has given you and I authority. Now, my time is gone and I don't have the time to go to this, but you would find Jesus told his disciples that I'm giving you authority. You go cast out demons in my name. You can go heal the sick. You can go out in my authority. Listen, they've gone out and they were trying to do these things. They came back and Jesus said, this kind can't happen but by prayer and fasting. This kind can't happen but by the authority of Jesus Christ. Oh, we don't have the authority in ourselves, but we have authority because we belong to Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, I want you to see this. Thirdly, in verse number eight, Verse number nine, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For this letter, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will be also in deed when we are present. I want you to write this down. Number, number one, the, warf- the weapons of our fight are the sovereignty of our commander, the authority of our commission, and the certainty of our courage. Paul says, I belong to Jesus. And, 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 and he, he, he is already won the battle. And I have courage to continue because of Jesus Christ. I don't have to look at this world and be in fear. I don't have to look around and see this battle that's taking place and cower to it. You and I can stand in courage and face every single thing that Satan is throwing at us, not because of our strength, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up in Philly. My dad moved our family and uh, we went from Michigan to, to the inner city. <clears throat> Matter of fact, if you Google Kensington, K&A under the L, that's where my dad brought me. They're like It's like zombie land now because of all the drugs. It's horrible. But we moved from the country in Michigan to row houses in, in Philadelphia. Matter of fact, my first night there, my first night in the city there, a guy, I saw two things I never saw before. A fella right in front of our house got stabbed. There's a bar right next door. They got stabbed and blood everywhere. And I was afraid. And the second thing is um, I saw my first drug deal. In Michigan, we play on the grass. In Philly, they smoked the grass. And they were, they were selling it right, right in front of our steps, right on our steps. My brother and I, <clears throat> we were walking two blocks over was A Street. And so 
we um, just two blocks over was A Street. North of us, just one block up was the Lee Street gang. So the A Street Posse and Lee, Lee Street gang. And that's what we lived in. And the only problem is our school and our church was right between them. So we knew how to kind of navigate. We would, we would, we would, uh, if we had to get to the school or church, we always went together and we would always kind of go through the alleys and, and, uh, it, it was, it was an adventure. One time the A street or the Lee street gang, the the Lee street gang, they were over just a, a block. Uh, so we couldn't go down the certain alley. So we said, well, let's just go down a street. So we went down A Street, and guess what was there? The A Street Posse. Now, it sounds like, you know, some cartoon, but these guys were mean in business. And if I never forget, I was there with my brother, and we're walking, and we had these, we, had, we stopped at the store, and we had these little uh, popsicle things. And my brother, he dropped his, he said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And he's a year older than me. And I looked up and there they were coming at us. And we were in the middle of the block. There's no alley to get to in the middle of the block. We go back this way. It's the Lee Street gang. If we go this way, it's the A Street Posse. And we're just these two little white boys. <laughs> we're going to be killed. He drops his popsicle and says this, follow me. And that was all the courage I needed. All I know next, we were just throwing punches going through. But he said, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. And, and while we're fighting our way through, literally fighting our way through, my brother kept saying, stay with me, follow me. And we fought our way through till we got to an alley and the little old lady from the, one of the houses came out with a broom and she helped us as well. And it was for that little old lady in that alley that we got away. But I'll never forget, my brother was there. My brother said, follow me, stick with me, stay here defending me. And we were able to escape. You know what my brother did? He gave me courage. Because if I was alone and I had to fight that battle by myself, I'd have just curled up. I'd have just curled up in a ball and cried. But because my brother was there, it gave me courage to keep moving, to keep swinging to keep fighting, to keep moving forward. And Paul is saying, get courage. Why? Because you have Jesus on your side. And he's fighting for you. And he defeated Satan at the cross and Satan can't win. He really is a paper tiger. Amen. <laughs> That's courage that we need. So what are the weapons? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And not anything that you can do in your flesh. It's not anything that you can do in your spirit. It's only a dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll give you victory. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. 
If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.